Lamar Jackson seems to be pressing it and the Ravens appear to be saying no. And the owners are determined not to give away the store like Jimmy Haslam and the Cleveland Browns did, because once they do, we have a leverage change in player team negotiations. Hello there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. What an edition it is because the business of sports, the business of the NFL specifically, has exploded. In the last couple of days, I'm going to touch on all the big topics. And of course, we haven't even reached the new league year yet. We are presented, as always, by DraftKings, produced by Jack Connell. My musical producer is Sam Brandt. But it is going to be a wild and woolly offseason for the NFL, like always. It already started. I'll get to those in a minute. Right away, I want to just promote something I'm doing. On Tuesday night, the night before the start of the NFL league year, Tuesday night, March 14th, 8 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to offer a unique webinar. It's going to be all about the salary cap, about contracts, looking ahead on how teams manage their caps into the new league year looking ahead on trades, on free agent signings, on what just happened, which I'll talk about today a little bit. I think it's unique for anyone interested in the business of football and anyone interested in potential careers as an agent, as a team executive, as someone who works in compliance, salary cap is certainly compliance, as someone who might want to work in accounting, someone who might want to work in finance and sports. These are all important ways to learn. So again, Tuesday night, March 14th, we're going to put the link in the show notes. It's through the sportsbusinessleague.com, and you can sign up and hear me then. And look at me. We're going to have it on, on Zoom or WebLink. Again, Tuesday night, March 14th, 8 p.m., we'll have the link. It's at sportsbusinessleague.com is where you sign up for the unique webinar. Okay, so much to get to today, primarily the NFL in terms of what happened and a lot of quarterbacks. And we'll start with the quarterback we've talked about for many years, Aaron Rodgers. As I record this on Wednesday afternoon, on March 8th, we are in a holding pattern with the New York Jets, where it appears that Aaron Rodgers is open to, amenable, listening to the possibility of playing for the New York Jets. To make that happen, number one, the Packers had to allow the Jets to go talk to him, which they reportedly did in a private plane out to Camarillo, California to meet with Aaron and sit down and recruit him and try to try to get him to agree to want to be traded to the New York Jets. That's number one. Number two, if there is a trade to be made, there have to be trade compensation back to the Packers. Again, I have no idea what that would be for a 39 year old. Obviously it's probably not going to be anything like the Russell Wilson package of two ones and two twos and more with players attached to it. Maybe it'll be completely conditional on how he plays. There obviously would have to be a draft pick in 2023, but the 2024 pick or picks would be contingent on how Rodgers plays for the Jets in 2023. So again, I don't know if there are other suitors for Aaron Rodgers. That's what's going to be tough for the Packers to try to extract a big compensation package. I don't think it's the Raiders. 
I don't think it's the Titans. I don't think it's the Bucks. I don't think it's the Dolphins. I don't think it's the Panthers. I don't think it's the Texans. We're running out of teams. Certainly no California teams. So who else is going to be after Aaron Rodgers? That's a real question. Now, back to the Packers. What we have waited for out of the darkness is, will Aaron Rodgers emerge wanting to retire? Will he emerge wanting to play for someone else? And then the most problematic, which I've talked about, will he emerge wanting to play for the Packers? Now, the Packers giving approval for him to talk to the Jets is a sign that, A, he's willing to move on from the Packers, and B, they're willing to move on from him. But I think the B is even more convinced they want to move on. And the deja vu, I've talked about this before, and here I go again. It The symmetry in deja vu is uncanny. Again, 18, 17, 16 years ago, we had a quarterback who was an apprentice named Aaron Rodgers. He was drafted in the first round behind a Hall of Fame quarterback. It caused some strife. We stuck with it, and we eventually ascended Aaron Rodgers to the position after three years. Three years ago, Jordan Love drafted behind a Hall of Fame quarterback by the name of Aaron Rodgers. He's a first-round quarterback. He is apprenticed for three years before, I think, he ascends to the throne in 2024 after a three-year apprenticeship. It all seems to be lining in place. And then, oh my God, both Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers will see maybe traded to the New York Jets. The symmetry, the deja vu seems uncanny. Let's just see it through. I think we'll know by this time next year. I'm sorry, next week when I do the podcast. We don't know as of this conversation right now on the afternoon of March 8th, but we will know soon enough. Okay, let's move to the other unsigned. Well, Rodgers is signed. We just know which team. Lamar Jackson, we know which team, but we don't, but he's not signed. Okay. Lamar Jackson is an unsigned player. In other words, the Ravens have placed the franchise tag on Jackson. Jackson is unsigned. Jackson has no responsibility, no uh, responsibility to go to minicamps, OTAs, practices, training camp, anything. We assume that if this status continues, he will sign his franchise contract before the start of the season and make something like $2 million a week. We don't know if that will happen. We assume that will happen. We will see. But here's the thing with Jackson. It's tough for this guy. This has been the most unique contract negotiation in the NFL for modern times as I can remember. The Ravens, for whatever reason did not give him a contract after year three. Now, everyone seems to get a contract after year three. We expect that will happen with Jalen Hurts, with Joe Burrow, with Justin Herbert. It happened with Carson Wentz, with Jared Goff, with Patrick Mahomes, with Josh Allen. We expect it to happen with Lamar Jackson. It did not. Then they did not give him a contract after year four. And we go through that negotiation last summer. They would never get to it. Now, year four negotiation, unlike year three, was complicated by the fact that Deshaun Watson, a lesser player, a lesser accomplished player than Jackson, got a fully secured 240, a fully secured $250 million contract. Okay. 260 million, whatever it is, 46 million a year, fully secured for five years. That's the elephant in the room. And Jackson, without an agent, seems to be pushing for that level of contract or more, while other agented players have decided, no, 
we're good. We're going to go back to the original structure of one or two years guaranteed and the rest on the come. Jackson has pushed the envelope. And I will say it again. Everyone asks me, Andrew, how are NFL contracts not guaranteed? How are NFL players going to get to the same status as other leagues? How are NFL players going to be treated like NBA and Major League Baseball contracts? Well, here's how. You get a runway like the Watson contract for an elite quarterback, and you press it. You press it with Russell Wilson. No. You press it with Kyler Murray. No. You pressed it with with, uh, Derek Carr. No. Lamar Jackson seems to be pressing it, and the Ravens appear to be saying no, and the owners are determined not to give away the store like Jimmy Haslam and the Cleveland Browns did because once they do, we have a leverage change in player team negotiations. Why are players so, why are teams so reticent to guarantee contracts? Well, that tells you alone how important that is. For people who say, well, it's not that important, guarantees, why should, you know, teams will do that? No, they won't. That's how important it is. Anytime you have a pressure point from one party in the negotiation, you know that's the most important thing. So we don't have that with Lamar Jackson. He's been turned down. And again, they put the $32 million tag. It's a non-exclusive tag. Listen, like some people, I don't get caught up in whether it's an exclusive or non-exclusive tag. The point is, is he's off the market. Sure, another team could come in and offer two number ones. That never happens. So it's basically like being off the market and they don't have to pay 45. They just pay 32, which for Lamar Jackson is grossly under market. So that's where we are. And Jackson, I feel for him because, again, you can't feel for someone making $32 million. But without the tech, he could make more. And all the quarterbacks I'm going to talk about, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Derek Carr. Well, Derek Carr was a free agent. But the other two, without a tech, they would make more, whatever they make. They would make more because we've seen it with Kirk Cousins. We've seen it with Deshaun Watson. You make more if you're a free agent, period. Lamar Jackson basically is negotiating with one team. Sure, another team could swoop in, but it's unlikely. And we saw teams step up to the mic yesterday and say, we're not going to do an offer for Lamar Jackson. We're happy with our quarterbacks, Miami and Atlanta and Carolina. Well, again, then people overreact and say, this is terrible. Well, we'll see if it happens. Now, is there collusion out there? Probably because everyone's cursing Jimmy Haslam and the Browns for what they did. And everyone seems to be making sure that contract will be an outlier rather than a precedent. But proof is the hard thing. Are you going to find that smoking gun, that text, that email that says, don't give Lamar Jackson or anyone else a guaranteed contract, a a email, a communication between teams or between the league and teams, a league and a team I don't think you're going to find that. Just like Colin Kaepernick, they never found the smoking gun about collusion there not to sign him, but they did come to a settlement. I think Colin Kaepernick was not signed out of punitive reasons, not for collusive reasons. And here in this case, it's a punitive measure towards the Browns and Jackson seems caught up in the crossfire. He's not getting it because they don't want it to go where it is. It doesn't seem to matter that it's Lamar Jackson. So, He's on the tag. We'll see if he stays on the tag. You know, as for the team saying we're not in it, I don't put a lot of credence. They can always come back. Things can change. Maybe they're saying it. they want to appear nice to their existing quarterback or quarterbacks. Who knows? 
But I don't put a lot of weight in that. I just wonder what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. Is he going to take the offseason off with a new offensive coordinator? And as much as the Ravens say, we love him, we love him, we love him, do they really love him? Or will they take a big trade package for him? We'll see what happens with Lamar Jackson. Okay. Next quarterback to talk about is a free agent, Derek Carr. Now, Derek Carr, to me, shows you how tenuous these contracts are, even for quarterbacks, even for top-level quarterbacks. Now, you can argue whether he's a top-level quarterback. But less than a year ago, Derek Carr does a new deal with the L.A. Raiders. I'm sorry, Las Vegas Raiders. And it's a four-year deal the existing year and three year extension and three's extension years. Okay. And it's got whatever 40 million guaranteed beyond the existing year. Contract was terminated. <laughs> Derek Carr was benched. Derek Carr's persona non grata in Vegas. And yeah, they could have maybe tried to trade him, but Carr exercises right and he got cut. He got cut. That shows you how tenuous these contracts are. So now Carr is in a position where he's making, he was scheduled to make $41 million guaranteed. That got chopped off. That contract turned to dust. So he becomes a free agent. And maybe he had the Jets, maybe he had the Panthers, but he ends up signing with the Saints. He says because they were the first after him and all those kind of things. So his new deal is two years, $60 million with a $10 million vesting if he's on the team next year. So he would say, yeah, it's probably two years, $70 million. But for anyone who, if anyone's going to know that 10 million is not totally secure, it's Derek Carr and his agent because they just went through this. So yes, the 60 million is secure over two years. So he gets 60 over two instead of 41 over one in terms of guaranteed money, likely 70 over two, but you never know. So again, that's what Derek Carr ends up with as a free agent. It's not the four years, $150 million that it's advertised by the agent to the sources, the media. Yeah, of course, that's never the case. It's always going to be puffed up by the agent. But the real deal, two years, $60 million, probably $70 million, but Derek Carr knows better than anyone that $10 million that vests after next year is not secure because he barely last, he only lasted six months with the Raiders. So we'll see what happens with him. Uh, the Saints, obviously, you know, they use the line. We kick the can down the road. We'll see what happens. And they do the big bonus, 28.5 bonus and a 1.5 salary. So his cash flow is 30-30 and likely 30-30-10 in terms of guarantees. And that's the way I'm going to look at these deals. you got to look at the guarantee only. And this is not the NBA. It's not Major League Baseball. See where it comes out. Okay. That's Derek Carr. Um I think it's a good deal. I think anytime someone's a free agent, you look for them to kind of squeeze it. Uh, do I think Derek Carr could have gotten more? Yeah, because he had allegedly, or at least reportedly, even the agent said there were multiple teams, probably the Panthers, probably the Jets, probably the Saints, maybe more. So is 60 over two a good deal for Derek Carr? I guess 65, yeah, 70, yeah. But um, sounds like he sort of gave the Saints a little bit of a break. And that seems to be the way Derek Carr is, and good for him. But I just think Derek Carr was the only one of these quarterbacks we're talking about 
that was a free agent, not a pending free agent like Jones and Smith, which I'll get to in a minute, but a real free agent. And Derek Carr is now a saint. And hopefully it turns out a lot better on this four-year deal than the last one that he did. Okay, before I get to some more notes and some more quarterback issues, here's a word from Labatt Blue Light. Lots of things are better together. You know, hockey, food, golf, football, basketball, March Madness, all coming up. I like to watch tennis. But if you really want to take things to the next level, you got to drink Labatt Blue Light. You drink it with your friends. You live the life to the power of we. That's what it's called, the power of we. So always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next quarterback, Geno Smith. Again, let's first talk about the finances. He gets a new deal with the Seattle Seahawks. It's reported $105 million. Ignore that. I'm trying to give you the real deal here. The real deal is two years, 40. Uh, it should be 50. So the real deal is three years, 75. You know, the 50 is, again, it's the same thing. It's a vesting of another 10. If he's on the roster next year, he should be fine. So just like Derek Carr should make 70, Geno Smith should make 50. Now, I'll get back to Smith in a minute. It's a good deal. It's one of the deals we talked about, like, is this ever going to happen, meaning a medium deal, meaning a deal where you're not making rookie money or not making backup money, a six to $8 million, but you're not making 35, 40, 45 million either. So this seems to be one of those deals, about 25 a year. Maybe it's 20 a year. Maybe it's 22, five a year, 25 a year. For Derek Carr, I'm sorry, for Geno Smith, seems about right. And the one thing I'll say is that this is one of the great stories in sports. Geno Smith, what a story. What a story. This guy made 170 million, I'm sorry, seven, gosh, this guy, Geno Smith, made 17 million over 10 seasons, but he made over three and a half million of that 17 million. This year in incentives alone playing for the Seahawks. So what he really made over 10 years was barely $13.5 million. So barely a million a year over 10 years. But he hung around and, you know, he kind of kicked around with different teams here, different teams there. Of course, time on the Giants, the Jets, other teams. And he's made it. You know, he didn't, sir, he didn't sign $40 million a year, but he made a big deal. This never happens. I was trying to think of this ever happened. Maybe like a Ryan Fitzpatrick back in the day, got a big deal from Buffalo after kicking around a while, but he really wasn't kicking around a while just yet. He, yeah. Excuse me. He kicked around much more after that. So uh, I think it's a great story. Geno Smith, it's a great story. This is a guy, usually when you sign these one-year backup deals, you kind of go from backup deal to backup deal, from one year to one year to one year, and then you're at zero years. Then it's over. You know, then you've sort of had your run as a backup. Younger, cheaper replacements are behind you or people just move on to draft picks. 
but Gino got the chance with the Russell Wilson trade. Totally outplayed Russell Wilson. I saw the Seahawks live this year in L.A. against the Chargers. They dominated that game. I'm like, this is a real quarterback. And so these are stories, you know, whatever you think of Geno Smith or the Seahawks or the Jets or the Giants, I'm like, great. What a great story. Geno Smith makes you smile. And whether he got $20 million or $25 million or $30 million a year, geez, that's some serious money for Geno Smith. That's serious money for a backup that's been kicking around for 10 seasons. No one does that. So give it up for Geno Smith. I'm just so glad to see it. Okay. Another guy to give it up for is a guy I know, Daniel Jones. So in 2018-19, I was helping out Gary Vaynerchuk, where he was starting Vayner Sports, which is now doing quite well as a sports agency. And I was trying to get him going. And our thing was we could get some lower ranked players, but getting the top guys was hard because while they know Gary V and love him, no experience doing big contracts. Well, here I am. They brought me in. I have experience doing big contracts. I was giving players peace of mind that that side was covered, having done hundreds of contracts, both on the player and team side. Well, our white whale that season coming into the 19 draft was Daniel Jones. We met this kid out of Duke. He had an interest in Gary Vee. We talked. We went out to dinner. We spent time. I met him a couple of times. I talked to the dad multiple times. Yeah. I mean, I got to know his family. I liked him. I thought they were humble people, nice people from Charlotte, extremely athletic family. His sister's all-American athletes. And we were this close, holding up between my thumb and forefinger to getting him. Ultimately, he went with CAA. CAA, of course, the well-known football quarterback machine. He had Eli and Peyton calling him and Matthew Stafford and all these guys. So it was a tough sell for us. But we really got close, and we ended up losing him to CAA. Now, CAA loses him to Athletes First, which is interesting. That just happened. So he's now an Athletes First client, and Athletes First gets the deal done with the Giants. The Giants do not tag Daniel Jones. They tag Saquon Barkley, uh, and they get a deal done with Jones. So here's the deal. It's four years, 160, and just like I said with Carr, four years, 150, it's not the real deal, but this is a strong deal for Daniel Jones. I know he's 25 years old. That certainly helps his market value, but $82 million is the real deal, two years. Two years, $82 million guaranteed, so he's got cash flow of 46 year one and 36 year two, that's strong cash flow. So 46 million first year, 36 million second year. Danny Dimes is now Danny Dollars, worth a lot of money. It's, you know, again, it's not four years 160 until we figure this thing out in a couple of years, but it's interesting. 82 over two is a really good college cash flow, solid cash flow. It's 12 million more cash flow at least over Derek Carr, and Derek Carr had three teams bidding. So uh, I give that deal a lot of credit. And what's interesting is Athletes First represents uh, Aaron Rodgers, but also represents Dak Prescott. Guess who got a four-year, $160 million deal a couple of years ago? Dak Prescott. So it's interesting. Why did uh, Danny Daniel Jones switch over from CAA to Athletes First? We don't know. Maybe CAA didn't want to push the envelope, want to take the tag, difference of opinion. But maybe he was told, hey, we can get you the four-year 160. We got Dak. And they did. 
So again, agent games, you don't want to know. That's a tough, crazy business. But however they got them, they probably sold the Prescott deal big and they just got the same deal. I don't know about exact cash flow, but 82 over two is pretty strong cash flow. Again, you compare that cash flow to years a couple of years ago, Patrick Mahomes, 65 over three. 65 over three, and Danny Dimes just got 82 over two. Strong. Okay. Let's talk about some non-quarterback issues. We, we do have to talk a little more about the tag. Because the tag not only went to Lamar, it went to Evan Ingram. It went to uh, Deron Payne with Washington. And it went to three non-quarterback, three running backs, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard. Here's what I want to say about the tag. It's restrictive. And I know people say, well, they're making so much money, but no one wants to just be dating. The tag is dating. So you're dating for a year and then you figure it out after that. Players want to get married. You know, players want the team to show commitment. Commitment is not one year, six months, whatever it is. Commitment is multi-year, even if it's one of these, yeah, two years and we'll see deals that's not fully guaranteed like Watson. So again, I don't know what Saquon Barkley could make in the open market. I don't know what Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, Lamar Jackson, Deron Payne, Evan Ingram could make in the open market. But here's the thing. They can make more. They could make more than they're making on the tag. And even for players like Geno Smith and Daniel Jones, where the tag was in play, although not used, they're restricted. People think, and even the union has said this, oh, the tag's not a huge deal because it only affects six, 10 players a year. That's wrong. I tell you this every year. The tag affects not only those six to 10 players. It affects hundreds of players. Why? A couple of reasons. Number one, it sets the ceiling for the top players and everything below that is trickled down. So if you're lowering the ceiling, you're lowering everything below it. Number two is every negotiator for every team of a really solid player uses the tag in negotiations. So how will you use the tag? Well, if you're negotiating with a guy, a star with one year left, you're really saying, well, I have two or three or four years left. So I have leverage because I have the tag. And if you're negotiating a player like Daniel Jones or Geno Smith up until the deadline, you're going to say, well, I guess if we don't get this deal done, we'll just use the tag. And that's powerful. So the tag is a powerful weapon that teams have weaponized. And of course, the the Baltimore Ravens are using it. It's at their disposal from the CBA, thanks to the league over the union, and they're going to use it. So again, the tag is a powerful weapon that affects not just the players that are applied, but hundreds beyond them. Okay. I think that's it, fellas. Um, I want to say it again. This webinar, if you're interested in this stuff, go to sportsbusinessleague.com. We'll have the link in the show notes. You got to learn. I'm going to have a PowerPoint. We're going to go through this. You're going to see me. You're going to hear me. You're going to ask questions the webinar, and you can be a member of the Sports Business League where you meet with me every week if you haven't done that too. So I hope you sign up, okay? You know all my other channels, Andrew Brandt 2, where I do the Instagram reels, Andrew Brandt on Twitter, the uh, 
Sunday seven newsletter, which is chock full of nuggets, especially this coming week is going to, is at andrew-brandt.com is where you sign up there. That is something that every agent gets. Most team executives get not only in football, but all sports. Hope you enjoy that. Hope you enjoy the podcast. If you like it, give us a good rating, give us comments. Always appreciate it. Um, you can support the podcast if you want through my Venmo, Andrew-Brandt-20. And again, thanks to my producer, Jack Connell, my musical producer, my son, who just had a birthday, Sam Brandt. And thanks to you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it's a unique podcast in your queue and you enjoy listening to this quick 30-minute podcast every week. Have a great week. I'll see you for the webinar Tuesday night, and I'll see you for the next podcast next week on the business of sports with Andrew Brandt.